This is the Cabinet's HR Culture Podcast, hosted by Daniela Young. Join Daniela as she has great conversations with people on the importance of culture and leadership in organizational behavior. You will hear the great, the bad, and the ugly as she talks to a huge variety of guests in different fields. Are you looking for ways to improve your culture? Then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinet's HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinet's HR. At Cabinet's HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Come to CabinetsHR.com to see how Cabinet's HR can take care of your HR so you can focus on building your company and taking care of your customers. Remember to be great every day. Hi, everyone. This is the Cabinet's HR Culture Podcast, and I am your host, Daniela Young. Our guest today is Aaron Longmoon. Aaron, are you ready to be great today? Every day. Every day. Aaron... <laughs> began being an entrepreneur in 1989 when she realized that she had a penchant for doing things her way. Charging ahead three decades and four businesses later, she is now the very humble and proud owner of Zephyr Recruiting LLC. As with all her businesses, Zephyr is a disruptor, bringing the human element back to finding the right match for their clients. All recruiters say they source top talent, but Zephyr does not make this ridiculous and unrealistic claim. Instead, Zephyr's claim is that they will be a matchmaker for the right fit for you, your team, your company's values, and culture, and for where you want your company to go. They only work with small businesses, purposefully giving them a leg up in this competitive job market. Erin is driven by her mission of eradicating toxic workplaces in the small business community. And she comes to us today by way of Cleveland, Ohio, where she lives with her daughter, her husband, their dog, and a huge family of deer that live part-time in their yard. <laughs> so Erin, welcome. And I'm Thank so excited you. to talk about the values and the culture and the toxic workplaces and all of the things that you mentioned. Yes, me too. Can you tell me a little bit about something that you're working on these days that's super exciting? Well, um, obviously, you know, building my business, I'm a small business entrepreneur, as are, I'm assuming, pretty much all of your listeners. And being one of those myself, I mean, it's super exciting to come to work every day. I am growing my team. So trying to learn how to instill these values of our own culture to them and how to get them to uh, be just excellent service providers for our clients is actually a really awesome challenge that I love right now. We're also talking in the future about coming up with a great places to work certification program. Um, this is down the road a little bit, but it is one of those super, super exciting passion projects that I have where small businesses have an avenue for being able to claim, you know, kind of follow some steps and then claim to be great places to work with a nice big badge. Um, and I just, I can't wait till that launches. You know, it's such a great focus because the majority of businesses in America are, of course, small businesses, but they pretty much get overlooked. Like you think yes. of those regular great places to work and it's always your huge Fortune 500 companies, right? That yeah. are on those lists. And people, especially with hiring, people tend to forget that like, well, everyone's applying to the huge company. No one's applying to this other company. You might end up finding a better fit for yourself there. 
not to right. better in your odds, right? If yes, yes, of, right. Of breaking through. Um, also, you know, I think super interesting, and we've been talking about this at Cabinets HR because we do HR for small companies, mm-hmm. but it's that, like you mentioned, all of our other listeners are small business owners, but most of them didn't go into business because they really wanted to hire people. Right. Because they really wanted to do HR. <laughs> right. You are not only your own small business, but you're also a service provider to other mm-hmm. small businesses, right? So you can right. take care of that thing that they do not have the expertise in. Correct. So Erin yes. is really, you know, this expert in the small area that of course has huge impact. And that's just, it's such an important thing for our listeners and our business owners to realize that you do not have to be an expert in everything. Yes. You're responsible for everything as the CEO <laughs> or as the leader, but you right. yourself do not have to be the expert in it. You can find other experts like Erin to help you out with, these specific points. Yes, definitely. Yep. So Aaron, you and I have talked about your process, your process, what you do and why that is so important in hiring. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So, you know, processes in general for small businesses are critical. I mean, they are for all businesses. And, you know, they help create systems and a platform so that you can grow, you can scale, you can serve your clients in an efficient, effective manner, Um, you know, being intentional about it. So you can prove a model, know that it works find where the kinks are. All of that is super important in both the service side of your business, but also the administrative side of your business. And hiring is is no different. Having an intentional process around recruiting and hiring is critical to building the kind of team that you need to build as you grow. And, you know, so having everything from what kinds of questions you ask in an interview process, where you source the people that you're sourcing, um, how you're onboarding them, which then, of course, a company like Cabinet HR takes over at that point. And all of those things need to be intentional and a well-thought-out, well-developed process for it to be successful. Otherwise, we're in reaction mode, right? Otherwise, we're just reacting to every little fire that goes on. So those processes kind of help mitigate those kind of reaction and very poor choices that happen out of being in reaction mode. You know? And yeah, that's so, so important, right? You don't want to be, you don't want to be a hiring reactionarily. No, but I, you know, to be honest, Danielle, most, most small businesses do, you know, they, they do like, cause you said they didn't get into business to be an employer necessarily. It becomes an afterthought because they, all of a sudden get busy and they need help. And so they just grab the first warm body that has some basic skills and they throw them on their team. Right. And, and, and it becomes this hamster wheel of reaction mode of building your team. And as you know, that rarely re- leads to a good place. Rarely. So yeah. on that note, talks about yeah. places. Yeah. That's a huge topic these days. You hear yeah. it everywhere. But how do you really think that recruiting and hiring either fits into that or can Mm -hmm. help protect against that, really, which is what we want? 
Yeah, the prevention piece. Actually, right, it does both. It can if it's if, if the hiring and recruiting is not intentional and well thought out process, like we talked about. Um, if we're hiring for all the wrong reasons, if we're hiring our best friends or our you know like teammates, cousin, things like that, um, we're not going to necessarily make the best hiring decisions. And part of a CEO's job is to be able to rise up to that ten thousand foot level and see the team as a whole unit working together. And so when we are just kind of in reaction. That's partially what creates that toxic workplace. It's not the only piece. I mean, that's a big topic, toxic workplaces, and there's many components that go into developing them. But definitely bringing on the wrong kind of people is a big part of it. So going back to that process, how it can help create a healthy workplace is when you have an intentional idea of who needs to fit in your team, how to find those people, bringing them on, and having it be a part of a much bigger picture is critical, actually, to creating a healthy workplace. And there's so much more, right? There's values we've discussed, which I think we should dive into a little bit more. There's culture and understanding the culture that you want to establish in your business. And then there's mindset, which is another one that I know we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. So I love that you mentioned the hiring of the friend, right? Because I think, of course, small businesses will do that. Um, And it's not always bad, but what can be Mm -hmm. problematic, I think, is this statement that I want to, you know, get your opinion on. Okay. It's always sort of rubbed me the wrong way. It's when leaders say, I don't care about skills. I just want to hire someone who I can have a beer with. Right. (laughs) And tell me what you think about that. Well, I mean, you and I have kind of discussed this. I have to tell you, listeners, Danielle and I connected on this a little bit before. And, you know, as as you were saying, it, it creates a one track kind of, you know, employee in your team. And I kind of liken it to... Um, you know, in some ways, like a symphony, right? If you have a symphony full of violins and nothing else, it isn't a symphony. It doesn't have depth. It doesn't have balance. It doesn't have creativity. It doesn't have innovation. It may even sound kind of good. Some people may enjoy it for a little bit, but over time, it's going to fall flat. So, you know, if all you're doing is hiring your like buddies or the people that you get along with really well and could go have a beer with, and that's sort of your standard, then you are going to find eventually that there's too many of the same kind of cook in your kitchen and there's no diversity. And it's not just diversity of cultural diversity, but it's also skills diversity. It's mindset diversity. I mean, there's all different kinds of diversity that we could talk about here. And if you really want, if you're a business owner who really wants a successful business, you want to grow it, you want to scale it, you want to be have it be a very contributing member of your community, creating great jobs, then you have to think about that whole symphony as a system. And so I think that's where some, you know, some business owners can go wrong by thinking just a little bit more one track mind like that. Right, right. And I, you know, I think it comes from a good place. I think leaders are trying to say, leaders are trying to say skills are teachable, but Mm -hmm. values and personality um, and hard work ethic are less teachable. That's what they're trying to say. Right. The reason I said, I think, you know, the sentiment is good, but it becomes problematic because it becomes, if you just want to hire someone you can have a beer with, you end up hiring someone just like you. Yeah. Yeah. The first hire should probably be someone who's the polar opposite about you. 
And I've right. never thought about this before, but maybe that's why husband wife teams make uh-huh. in business, right? Yes. Because obviously yes. they in a couple and then they start a business together. Yes, exactly. No, it's that is exactly true. And as you start to grow, you know, being able to step back, like I said, and look at your team at that 10,000 foot level, it's sort of what spoke is missing here. If you think about a wheel, for example, I use a lot of analogies, Danielle, sorry, but you know, if you think about the wheel, you know, you may have a lot of people with some strong skills in problem solving or task oriented, detail oriented type people or something, but you got to look at the whole piece and the whole, you know, like the whole, um, image of this symphony, so to speak, and what's missing and make sure that you're also, you know, bringing in people to help balance the team out. So, you know, if you're always hiring the same kind of person, your buddy, someone's just like you, you know, it's going to be wobbly and lopsided. It's not going to, it's not going to have that ability, that foundation to scale and grow. Just won't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Right. You know, yeah. it's so interesting. We've, we've actually talked about this on the show before. And what I kind of hear you saying is the first question, you know, say you need a new bookkeeper, full-time mm-hmm. bookkeeper. And the mm-hmm. first question is not who has bookkeeping skills. It's what personality traits don't we have represented on the team? Let's find someone that fits those, right? Obviously fits our company's right. values, which we're going to talk about but fits, you know, sort of these personalities that are missing. Like say I'm outgoing and I'm great at sales, but I'm not good at, you know, burning the candle on both ends for 14 hour day and making sure that all those little processes get done. Right. That's the kind of person I need to hire. Right. And then find that kind of person with both right. skills. Right. right. And I think, yeah. Almost flipping it around. Yeah. The type of person first and then making sure they have the skills or they're trainable. Yeah. Yeah. I think having just a really well-rounded vision of what this new person that you want to bring on the team, who they need to be, as well as the skills they need to, to you know, have honed over their years of experience. We were talking about values. And I guess I do now I remember is that I do want to make sure because I think as people hear this, they might be like, but wait, 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 I've always heard values are important. And personality traits, what if they're opposite, and then they don't get along, and then that can create some tension. And and yes, there's some reality to those things. The thing is, is you don't want you don't want to bring someone who's got a conflicting personality to what you have on your team or a conflicting set of values, they need to be complementary. But you know, so I, I I do think it's very important that when, again, you're looking at that, you don't just go black and white, oh, they're introverts and I now need an extrovert. It's, that's very simple. That's a simplified way of explaining it. It's obviously more complex than just that. So it's really important for, let's say, in small business, it's pretty much always the CEO who's kind of in charge of overseeing and building the team. So making that assumption that they understand the strengths of their current team, they understand the weaknesses of their current team, they understand the values of the company, they understand the culture, where it is now, where they want it to be in the future. You know, you got to understand all of that ideally before you bring on that next employee. And that's a lot, right? That's a lot, especially for business owners that are almost always in this reaction mode. Oh my gosh, someone just quit. I got to fill their job. Just go find somebody. And there's a sense of urgency about it. But if you really want to be a great place to work and you really want an effective team, you have to take that step back and see the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. And the values piece is so constant, right? And I think even more than 
right? The personalities. I mean, people can have opposite personalities, but if they're mm-hmm. on the same track, they prioritize the same values. That's mm-hmm. honestly the sweet spot because then right. those, not conflicting personalities, but those very different personalities are going mm-hmm. to end up complementing each other. Exactly. You know? And that's how, for example, you know, we would see this in the army where it's like, we get, you know, we don't get any choice of yeah. people, no matter what level of leadership you're at, you don't really get a choice of your people. You're kind of handed a handful of people and uh-huh. everything starts on this, okay, baseline. Like these are the values. This is what we care about. Mm-hmm. And the best leaders are always pulling everything back to that because you're right. at the most different people in the world from different places to get along together. Yeah, to get on that same page. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned military. I mean, you know, obviously way more than I do. But I think what's interesting is that people who choose to go into the military as a career, they walk in with a set of values that already resonates with the military's values. So they're already coming in with this core set of beliefs that drive them that is in alignment with the military. So I think, you know, not to say that's every single person, I'm sure, you know, that that is not true, but it's a generalized statement that I think is what allows uh, troop leaders and the people in leadership positions to pull those people together because they have shared values already. Do you know? You know yeah. what I mean? And it, it is, I think it's both, right? Because it's still on the leader too, right? So we always mm-hmm. say, for example, and everyone knows that a lot of people join the military for benefits, right? Benefits to go to college, health benefits, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, you know, in the veteran world, we kind of always say, no matter what you joined for, in the end, like you developed a value of service. Yes. So that by the time you're leaving, even if you only serve that initial term and you're leaving, it's actually usually hard for you to fit back into the civilian world if mm. you can't find a service component to what you're right. doing. Because That's that value, and that is 100% on the leaders, right? There's nothing inherently about service in the military when you really think about it. That's how sort of we as a country and we have a, as a culture and then we as military leaders inculcate that into right. the culture. And that's obviously a massive scale, but that's what anyone can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. But yeah, I mean, so when we do recruiting, for example, going back to values, I mean, that's one of the things that we do is we, we learn, we really dive deeply into our clients' um, business and we ask the personal questions and we try to help them figure out what are those core values? How do you articulate them? Some come to the table knowing, some come to the table with aspirational values, but those aren't the same. Some come with trendy values, but those aren't the same. So our job is to really un- um, uncover what those true core values are and then that helps us when we go find those matches because again they don't have to be exactly the same but they need to at least be complementary they need to support the values and not butt up against them you know in order for that to work and i'm so glad you mentioned aspirational values versus (laughs) true values yeah my way of saying that is your values aren't what you say they are. They're based on what reporting you require. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot of similar quotes to that effect. But yeah. essentially, you know, say you, one time I worked in, in loss prevention mm-hmm. in, in, a, in retail. And 
everybody says life safety is the most important value. Of course they do. That sounds great. Right. But when the general manager <laughs> walks in and his first question is about theft numbers, not right. about, hey, sales guy, what are you going to do if a shooter walks in? Right. That reinforces a completely different priority that says right. our value is anti-theft, not life safety. Right, 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 right. That's a really great example. And it's hard to see those. I mean, that was a really good concrete example. Sometimes it's hard to discover what those are, you know, so, so going through a process that can help uncover those, I think is important because it's, it is easy to just throw a fancy adjective out there or throw, you know, a fancy noun out there um, that especially it's interesting how much those words will change with trends as well. You know, what people talked about values 30 years ago, 40 years ago are completely different than what we're talking about today. And those will continue to change. Cultural values like that will continue to change. But your core values, which is always in small business, you cannot separate the core values of the company from the core values of the owner. You just, you know, that's what, that's what's built on. So you got to get personal. You got to understand your true core values. That CEO or the owner has to understand what their core values are. And that's really what you have to then build the foundation of the business on. That's when it'll be authentic. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and one of the exercises I do with my clients, right. When we're doing Mm -hmm. culture strategy, which you're welcome to steal this, Aaron is, yeah, I say, okay, if these are your five values, now you're going to write down three examples of a person or a sort of daily or weekly event in your company that embodies that value. Nice. You can't do that. That's an aspirational value. That's something you want, but it's not where your company's at. Exactly. And especially if what you're thinking of are opposite examples, then, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to- it, it, it is amazing. The opposite, the opposite examples will help you really hone in because we do it. It's a little different process, but we use that opposite piece as well. And we do a similar thing with candidates. I mean, we don't just review candidates and you should, nobody should just review candidates on those skills. We need to get deep and personal with them. And part of that is asking those same kind of deep questions, you know, and we ask questions, things like, you know, what kinds of things would you walk away from a job? Like on the job, you would just turn around, you would walk away. Like what kinds of things need to happen for that? Or what would you end a relationship over? What kinds of things would you go to bat for and like go protest about? What kinds of, you know, it's those things that just really touch you deeply that, that are a hint into what your core values are. So we use those kinds of questions when we're, when we're you know, talking to both our clients and also then the candidate side. You know, that's part of our job. You know, those are, uh, those are great examples. Yeah. I, uh, I worked for a leader once, you know, and again, this was in the military, so you don't kind of have that disability thing. So this is an example everyone can use, but he was, he was obsessed with running. Right. And so he would always ask, which was something we had to do as part of our job. Right. He would always ask his leaders that were going to come work under him, you know, sort of questions about running and how they've improved and how they've gotten better or what they Mm -hmm. do in their spare time. And Everyone thought he was just obsessed with running. And then one day he explained it to me and he was like, well, look, I only have space for A-type personality, kind of high achieving, self-motivated leaders on this team as we're ready to get to war. 
And I figure if you have this one area of your life where you've gone above and beyond, then you're likely to do that in other areas. Right. And it made so much sense to me. And it was such a great example of people using that, right? Yeah. The CEO kind of using, you know, his mindset, his current standing values, but then mm-hmm. being able to ask a question of someone else that he was then able to realize how that person was going to fit into the culture. Yeah. And it sounds like he was able to figure out like what drives underneath, you know, the words, right? Like what drives the real action with those questions. And those are critical. Those are critical to finding the right people to add to your team. You got to ask personal questions. I don't re-emphasize what our expert Aaron said here. Leader, like (laughs) do not think that personal or vulnerable is off limits. Obviously, yes. some questions you shouldn't of ask from an HR perspective, but right. if people want to share those, talk to them, you know, yes. ask questions, get right. to know them. And, you know, I'll give a quick tip that I find that by opening up a little bit ourselves, it just gives permission and creates a safety in the interview. And that makes all the difference in the world too. You have to connect in the interview or they're not going to open up to you. Absolutely. Both yeah. sides are being interviewed. Exactly. 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 So Aaron, are you providing a gift or a discount today for our listeners? I am. Actually, if you go to ZephyrRecruiting.com, we will have a welcome map for your listeners. And if they click on that and there will be two articles, one is called five secrets that this is the one. And of course we're talking about employees, not uh, partners. And the other one is eight key steps to ensure employee loyalty. It is not the money, honey. There's so much more. And then as a discount for anyone who would like to check out Zephyr and become a client, we will give a $500 off discount to anyone who comes to us within 30 days of airing of this podcast. And just so you know, quickly, we do a flat fee model to our service and we're extremely affordable for small business because that is who we're serving. So we're making it affordable for you. Excellent. Well, so much value. I'm going to go download those two things right now. And just to reemphasize, that really is Zephyr's differentiator is a flat fee. You get everything that they're about, Mm -hmm. all of this amazing value that you heard Aaron talk about. And Aaron, last thing, what is the best way to connect with you on social media? We are on Facebook and we're also um, on LinkedIn. We'll have those links in the show notes. Um, But basically Zephyr Recruiting, if you just Google us, you'll find us in Zephyr, Z-E-P-H-Y-R. And it means a gentle breeze for anyone who doesn't know. And those are some of the best ways to reach us. Perfect. And again, all of the links for Erin, everything she mentioned, the discounts, et cetera, will all be available in the show notes. And those are found at www.cabnishrblog.com. Well, Erin, this conversation was so amazing. It flew by. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. And remember to be great every day. Awesome. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cabinet HR Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cabinet HR. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Cabinet HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasoncabness at cabnesshr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.
pump it up, you don't you know? Pump it up, we've got to pump it up. So good.